Hello, Hidden World listeners. My audio producer, David Gomez, and I decided that we wanted to drop into your podcast apps on this Monday with a special winter solstice message. We felt that this year's solstice, more than any other in recent memory, deserved our time and attention because of the wisdom it offers to all of us who may be walking through our own personal psychological winters right now. So stay tuned because this is a hopeful and healing conversation. Welcome to this special episode of The Hidden World. Hi, David. Hi, Whitney. Hello. Welcome back. Two episodes in one month. (laughs) What a treat. (laughs) A a holiday gift. Yes. Yes, your presence is a holiday gift. Um, and the holiday that we are celebrating today is the winter solstice, which I am a uh, real eager evangelist about. But you, when we were talking about this, um, told me that you were kind of unfamiliar with um, its history, other than like, how would you describe your familiarity with it? I guess my familiarity with the winter solstice is also in terms of like the spring and summer that like there is this actual turning of the globe and almost the way you could mark an eclipse as well that like is that right like in terms of um or in terms of the way the earth is moving throughout the year in the solar system there are just these dates that like show up and they have meaning and they also have meaning i would suppose uh spiritually in like older traditions and that's where I stop. I think that's where most people stop. It's like, well, these are actual, you know, events that occur every single year annually, no matter what, there's always a shortest day of the year and a longest day Mm -hmm. of the year. And um, uh, the word solstice means sun stands still. So it's like the marking of a moment in time. Um, But in the Northern hemisphere, traditionally, the, um, because the solstice is the shortest day of the year, what what I know about um, its spiritual significance comes entirely from the Celtic tradition. And my teacher on this has been a man named Alexander Shia. Um, He is a theologian and an anthropologist. And what I learned from him, I thought was pretty remarkable in part because he does this brilliant job of explaining exactly how Christmas got positioned so close to the solstice and why so many of our traditional Christmas rituals and ceremonies also mimic and mirror Celtic solstice rituals. In the Celtic tradition, the winter solstice would have been kind of the bottoming out of difficulty. It would have been the place of deepest dark in their annual calendar because these were people that sort of lived and died by the sun and Mm -hmm. their ability to um, 
plant and harvest and store food. So, and to stay warm, because when we're talking about the Celts, we're talking about, um, we're not just talking about like Ireland, it's, it's everything from Turkey up through um, what is now the UK. Oh, okay. The big swath of, uh, yeah, real estate there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so everything above the Alps up into the like British Isles. So um, th these would have been, winter would have been dangerous. And, um, and yet the solstice, even though it's like the nadir or the nadir, I don't know how to pronounce that word, but the place of deepest dark, it's also the place the light begins to grow again. Mm -hmm. So what the Celts understood is that the earth and the sun they, they teach us that it's actually in the place of deepest dark that new life begins. Mm. From so, that burning on that, like you have to hit that low to like yes. start climbing again, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so their rituals around this were, they were honoring a kind of symbolic death and resurrection. Um, and and they moved through this um, solstice portal ritualistically. And, and the reason that rituals are so meaningful when it comes to spiritual, our, our spiritual life is that we practice our spirituality, whatever it is, um, in part by honoring or reminding ourselves of the meaning and the depth of that practice through ritual, through symbol. It's one of the ways we can get close in um, or kind of feel our way into or participate as a community in a kind of wisdom or meaning making that amplifies whatever the spiritual tradition or practice is trying to teach and and or like create and cultivate in us and around us does that make sense yeah or even like my mother has like collects little mangers like just even as gifts and it's really easy to shop for her around like christmas because like i'm always looking for like this cute manger or things like that but like i even have a ritual of gift giving of something that affirms her face even if it's not quite what I'm about that like I think that even there are probably ways that we all do this like and especially like in December maybe without even thinking like that right yeah so the Celts oriented themselves around um what was sacred in the earth what was what was already there the 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 wisdom that was sort of laid bare or made manifest in the daily ritual and the yearly ritual and the lunar monthly ritual. And if you're like a farmer too, right? Like it kind of, like if they had an agrarian, is that right? If they had agrarian experience, they really, it was life or death probably. Like you couldn't avoid it exactly. in any way. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I obviously, I'm not an anthropologist. I don't have a ton of information on what the Celtic societies looked like. But what I do know is that during the winter solstice, they had a 13 day 
celebration or 13 day. I don't know. I don't know if every day was a celebration, but a 13 day ritual. And um, the 13 being a sacred feminine number because of the 13 lunar cycles and the 13 cycles of menstruation in a year. Um, that was by design because the solstice was actually supposed to be honoring the goddess. Mm-hmm. The solstice was partly about each day, each 13 days of solstice practice, all um, had different rituals that helped people connect to the spiritual practice of birth. So being able to birth what is required of us, inside of us, outside of us, um, and and the reason birth was such a potent symbol for how to move through the deepest dark into that new life, that grace, that that place where you know new radiance is born, is because that's actually what happens in birth. Having given birth myself. Before the baby's actually born, it does certainly feel like the deepest dark. Yeah. It's terrifying, at least it was for me. You think it's possible you could die or that they could die, which which was very possible prior to modern medicine. It's still a real possibility. Mm-hmm. It's pretty risky business and it's excruciating. The pain is um, world destroying. At least for me, it was. And so the Celts um, believed that it was birth and it was the goddess who gave birth to the world that could help us walk through this place of deepest dark, you know, the hardest, scariest, most despairing time of the year. And it was the goddess and the the spiritual phenomena of birth that could teach us how to move through the deepest dark into this new radiance, into this new, into this new birth. Wow. Well, and segue to like we associate with, I guess, Christmas, you know, the birth of um, a baby in a manger, you know what I mean? Like in terms of like, I suppose Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, would it have been easy to kind of rebrand some of those like sections as like Celtic if you were, you know, trying to get more converts? Would that have been like a thing if you were a good salesman? It was on purpose, but not to manipulate, I don't think. Yeah, I don't really mean it like that, but no, yeah. I, I get it. I, um, and I agree. It, I think to, to be generous in this moment, yeah. <laughs> Christianity went north met this deep spirituality of the Celts and said, oh, yeah, we have that same story. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have that same story. It's not, the symbols aren't the goddess and the earth. And yet they kind of are. Yeah, or these sort of, you know, connections. And I didn't expect to be reminded of this, but um, in Mexican culture, the 12th of December is Dia de la Virgen, or the Day of the Virgin. And um, it's very popular, um, in, especially on 
my dad's side of the family that um, it's important to them that um, Mary appeared as the Virgin of Guadalupe. And if, I'm sure most people have seen the image of that Mexican Madonna, right? With like the green cloak and she's stomping on a serpent and there's stars, there's all this just like human imagery that the Aztecs already built. It was already their Virgin Day too, yes. um, for the, the Virgin that they already, um, celebrated then anyway you know I do think that you can see that happen on like two different continents and probably wildly different times yes and to me that actually tells me that you know um Joseph Campbell do you know who that is yes um some people might know him more for the Star Wars series out there his yeah. hero's journey inspired uh, Luke Skywalker yes yeah his I, his concept of the hero's journey and how that sort of archetypal uh reality guides all epic tales yes inspired star wars um but he um he's sort of famous for giving us a deeper understanding of myth and story and what purpose that serves and one of the things that he said about myth is that it's um oh god i'm gonna butcher this but something like a myth is something so true, it can only be understood through metaphor. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it also makes me think of something like Persephone and Demeter, or, you know, we have always maybe had these myths of like season and rebirth and death, no matter what your zip code was, what continent you were on. Like ultimately have. humans have always had to contend with that, I yeah. suppose. It's the oldest, it's one of the oldest stories is this, is this myth of like descent into the dark and then rebirth, mm -hmm. which I imagine is because that's what the, that's what the earth teach us, the, teaches us. That's what life shows us that we go round and round and round this truth, you know, <laughs> of life, death, rebirth, or, uh, you know, life, death, resurrection, or life, death, life. And um, so, so the, the Celts, um, the day after the solstice, they had a day that actually has become our boxing day, which is the day, after, oh. it's just the day after Christmas. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what they called it, but on that day, um, men, only men, were supposed to go out and kill a wren, a bird, and pour its blood onto the earth. And then they were supposed to essentially um, take care of like the sick, the widowed, the orphaned, the shut-ins on that day in some way, like bring them what they needed. Mm -hmm. And um, the teacher I referenced earlier, Alexander Shia, he said that the Celts did this because they said that women or people with wombs, you know, that they already had this knowledge in their bodies of life, death, and rebirth. And they already knew 
that part that being able to move through the deepest dark into new birth um, required a, a blood sacrifice, <laughs> a, a willingness to give themselves away to something. It was an act of both sacrifice and generosity. And like almost like the men had a required community service day on Boxing Day, like not to be glib about it, but it's kind of like, okay, well, we've sort of done the work. Like, um, so this is your time to deliver the holiday. Yeah. It's your time, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, um, so anyways, because this was a celebration of the goddess and what the goddess knows, there was an invitation for, for men to then ritualize in themselves this sacrificial generosity mm -hmm. as a way of aligning themselves with what it takes to move through the deepest dark into new life which is amazing because it tells us that the way through darkness into grace is about generosity. Hmm. And I'm sure that has something to do with Santa Claus, you know? Well, and it also yeah. makes me think about, um, I know um, a Christmas Carol and Scrooge like happens every year and it seems to be a story that is very important to people. But he himself is, these ghosts make him go on this descent to his childhood, almost like this like, you know, psychological remembrance on some level to wake up on Boxing Day and to give his neighbors a ham. You know what I mean? Like, like, um, uh, I, I, yeah, it, um, I wonder if this sort of ritual culturally has accidentally been embedded, like, or coded into things we do or already done, if that makes sense? Yes, of course it has. Um, something I've done for the past handful of years is that I have had these um, winter solstice ceremonies for my friends. This is the first year I'm, I'm doing it more professionally because it's over Zoom, so I felt like I could open it up a bit. Um, but what we do is similar in a way to this Scrooge idea where in a, in a safe, you know, really supportive, embracing community setting. And we, and we use the uh, natural world. It's historically always been done outside. Um, we make space to actually psychologically look at the deepest dark stuff. Mm. Yeah. And then we work with it generously. Mm. Give yourself your own kind of grace to then wait for a kind of new wisdom or a, a, a new path or a, a new birth um, to, to then sort of manifest intrapsychically. I know that's very abstract what I just said. But also I think this year I, I hate to call it like a merry COVID Christmas. I kind of have to laugh about it because like otherwise it'd be painful. Um, but I do think that we're all going to be faced with being extra generous to ourselves or to our loved ones. Or it's like, I think this particular solstice is, uh, uh, will require, I think, feats of, of generosity 
<laughs> yes. Spirit. I don't mean like throwing dollar bills or if, if that makes sense, generosity of spirit. It makes complete sense. And that is exactly what I'm trying to talk about here. Um, because it, it's, it's courageous to um, face what hurts and what has hurt and what scares you. Mm -hmm. um, and really the only way to do that according to the earth and according to the Celts and according to the Christmas tradition <laughs> and maybe according to the Aztec tradition, you know, yeah. um, is to bring like the full generosity of your presence to stay with it, to be with it and to wait for that light to grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, or even like, in the Joseph Campbell screenplay moment in the movie where every, you've lost it all, there's nowhere to go, like you're in a cave, like, you know, um, I, I, it's like, I think we all can imagine those moments in our lives and they maybe don't always coincide to like December 21st or whatever, but um, I do think it's, it's really cool, a cool way of thinking of it as a, as a chance to look for hope just even to just look <laughs> like, um, and to know that you're doing it as part of a collective, not as just like someone who's alone. Yes, yes. And, you know, I'll say this for the Christmas story because, you know, you had mentioned to me the other day that sometimes you think about the Christmas story and you think, gosh, this is a weird story. <laughs> well, sometimes I'm singing and I'm like, round young virgin around young virgin and it's like and then the song goes on without you and there you are stuck wondering why i'm singing about a teenage virgin and like i'm holding a candle and like like you know what i mean i think the lyric themselves and i'm a songwriter so i pay close attention um <laughs> sometimes or even like my favorite christmas carols are like kind of fucked up you know uh to save us all from satan's power like there are some like quick hot <laughs> weird lines that jump out you when you're like watching a movie and I will say that the earth troubles me and has troubled me since I was a child singing songs so interesting because uh I I understand the word virgin to mean a woman in possession of herself and that is actually how most ancient semitic people understood it too hmm. so the story might have been like the Immaculate Conception is, I don't really care whether it's literally true or symbolically true. Um, and I don't think that ancient Semitic people cared either. I think that we have a relationship with sacred texts where we demand they be literally true or we literalize them in order to like wield them as weapons in the culture. But what they teach or what they were intended to teach is pretty radically different than the literal interpretation. And, and you even had to remind me, I'm like, I'm like, why am I obsessed with this teenage girl's virginity? I'm like, I'm, I'm missing part of the story, which is that no one will let her into their homes. And she's <laughs> 
and it's cold. Like there are high stakes, whether or not it was immaculately conceived, there are high stakes for this teenage girl. And it's like, I'm Lord, I, I hate to say it, but there's someone displaced right now who is pregnant. Like there are, these are very real Christmas stakes. And I think it's easy to get caught up on some of like the things that didn't translate well and lose track of just like no matter what you believe in, it would suck to need to give birth and no one will let you do it in, yeah. in shelter. That would suck. I mean, she's a teenage girl who's been essentially scandalized by her pregnancy. They're very poor. They can't find a safe place for her to give birth. Birth is a very vulnerable, scary thing. So they wind up, she winds up giving birth in a barn which we have romanticized, but it would be like giving birth in a back alley near a dumpster, you know? Yeah. And so I don't think a single second of it was glamorous. Where it's like, we are like, oh, a manger. It's like, I give my mother mangers, but it was probably more like a pigsty and like not where anyone wanted to live or spend a night, right? No matter what it translates to, is that probably yeah. an assumption? So the story itself is actually has the same themes as the Celtic story of this time of year, which is that when everything seems totally fucked <laughs> and you feel like you are without resources or help. And then the star, right? The star is like the light in the tunnel. Like it also has the, the beam of hope element too shows up. Yes. Yeah, and angels announce this birth um, and shepherds come witness it and so do, and eventually wise men show up with gifts. But, but the shepherds that come witness it, that also gets really romanticized. Shepherds were like the lowest dregs of society. They, they had been removed from society because they had done something. Oh, so they were like, you ye scallywags. Like, like they were like the, the outsiders gang of the Bible. Like, like no one wanted them around. Yeah, they were social pariahs. And so, I mean, usually they had done something quite um, egregious. And so they were cast out to tend to sheep far removed. They slept with sheep. They lived with sheep. That was their whole experience they didn't have companions and they smelled like sheep which was the mark of shame and so it's kind of an amazing story in that way too symbolically where where you have angels and you have shepherds and everybody gets to witness this miracle everybody gets to come up against you know in a visceral sensory tangible way the light after the dark. Everybody gets to touch this if they're willing to go into it and be generous with themselves and others in that place. Because you have these wise men with their gifts of generosity towards the family. And then you have these shepherds that frankly were generous with themselves by despite being the shamed members of society they allowed themselves to essentially go bask in the presence of the like, you know, symbolic king of kings, savior of the world. 
Yeah, and I know the little drummer boy isn't biblical. I don't think he's in the passage, but he does only have a song to offer the scene. <laughs> but that's actually, that's very sweet, actually. It's like- It's, it's very like, much part of the story in yeah. some way. Whatever. I'm not very silly about it, but maybe, you know, the, it, that song has a message in there that's connected to what we're talking about. Yes, whatever you can offer this moment, whatever you can offer this moment of deepest dark, your presence, your courage, your generosity, your ability to maybe take care of somebody else or just take care of yourself or, I mean, simply show up, just get there, you know? <laughs> just get there with your full conscious presence. And, and, and that is what's available to us on the solstice to consciously go into the darkest places personally collectively and then elementally like literally um and and be with it and and hope and trust and be generous in that place i think hope is a pretty generous emotion and then be available for what comes next and part of what's coming next is like the spring or like things to look forward to and i know that a lot of us are clinging to whatever we have to look forward to, you know, like that's probably part of it too. The comings, the summer solstice, the spring solstice, the, the, the nice things that await in the warmer parts of the year, <laughs> at least on this hemisphere. Yes, the light growing, the COVID vaccine. I know, yes, I was trying not to say that. <laughs> the new president. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I actually, the other day thought, the timing is really bizarre because we are getting a COVID vaccine, a new president, and we're, there's some kind of like astrological super event where that is shifting us into the age of Aquarius, which theoretically is like a whole new kind of consciousness for human beings, all about interconnectivity and concerning ourselves with, you know, spiritual matters and matters of consciousness. And it feels like some of that's already starting to take root because in part of globalization, we're just more aware and in part because of the dark reality of this pandemic and how it has exposed how connected we all are. And mm. it's like on the other side of that deepest darkness, maybe, 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 and here's my prayer for this solstice, is that the pain that connected us all can be a portal into some kind of love Mm -hmm. Or just a mutual understanding, uh, just an I was there, how did you, where were you, we will always be able to like ask those questions, um, where were you, you will always remember viscerally where you were, like everyone on the globe will have this collective memory, um, and there are probably, I'll, I'll bet the last time we would have had that would have been maybe like world wars or, uh, uh, you know, it's hard. I can't name something like that well and if you know when i said love i really meant it like pain and loss can be this um you know gateway into empathy and connection and i have certainly this year read more stories about people far away from me and watched more newsreels about people far away from me 
and seeing more photos about people far away from me that people I don't know at all on in every corner of the globe that have caused an increase in my caring for the human family. There's a part of me that just wants to believe that that if we can align ourselves with the potential of the solstice of what it offers us, if we can collectively say, okay, we've been in the deepest dark. We've really, Mm -hmm. we've really hit the bottom of something pretty horrible this year. How can we, if we relate to that pain with generosity, how can we birth almost the inverse of that thing instead of being connected through trauma being connected by love Hmm. yeah and you're right it's the doorway it's the portal or the the collective sigh of relief whatever it needs to be that gets us to yeah be more with each other no matter where we are yeah um there's the hebrew word amen which Uh, I don't think we realize we all know and say, and it sort of means, let it be. Huh. Like the Beatles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and that's what I want to say right now, I guess, Mm -hmm. in in conclusion is, amen, let it be. Since greetings to everybody out there as well, no matter what we celebrate. Happy solstice, everyone. The Hidden World is produced by David Gomez. Our theme song is written and recorded by David Gomez. And I'm your host, Whitney Logan. Be good to yourselves and each other.